Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, President Biden's breakthrough agreements with the leader of China. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close, where they're happening. It's Thursday, November 16th. I'm Greg Dixon. President Biden met with President Xi of China in California for their first meeting in a year. China watchers weren't expecting much to come out of the summit, and both the U.S. and China were keeping expectations low because of recent tense relations between the two countries on a variety of issues. But following the four-hour meeting, some agreements were announced. NPR's China correspondent John Ruich is here to talk about it. Hey, John. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Pretty good. So tell us, what were these breakthroughs that were announced? Yeah, there were three things that they announced uh, that came out of this meeting, um, three main points. One was an agreement to restart military-to-military dialogue. That had been cut off for a while. The second had to do with cracking down on Fentanyl, and in particular, getting China's cooperation to go after fentanyl precursor producers. So a lot of the ingredients that go into fentanyl come from China. And the third bit was an agreement to launch a discussion about managing AI. Great. Let's talk about those one at a time, if you don't mind. So the military to military communications, we've been hearing a lot about interaction between U.S. and Chinese military vessels and aircraft in the South China Sea. Is it about that? Is it is it also about Taiwan? What does it mean? It's about that. It's about Taiwan. It's about strategic understanding. You know, starting in probably the early 2000s, the U.S. made a push to try to get a greater understanding, you know, through more contact with the Chinese military to understand this um, this growing and increasingly powerful entity. But what's happened is China, as a sort of sign of displeasure with the U.S. over various things, the most recent being last year's visit to Taiwan by then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. China limits the talks, pulls them back, suspends them, does these types of things. Uh, From the U.S. perspective, I think from the Chinese perspective as well, that's seen as raising the risks, right? Because if you have all this hardware from China and the United States in the South China Sea Mm -hmm. near Taiwan and a plane bumps into another one or something like that, and you can't pick up the phone and call the Chinese Pacific Fleet commander or whoever it is, then you got problems potentially. Got it. So it's a rolling back of of showing their displeasure. Um, You also mentioned fentanyl. So as you said, the chemicals needed to make that deadly opioid mostly come from China, and that's how it ends up on the street here in the U.S. And I think it's fair to say it's been tolerated in China up till now. So what does the agreement about fentanyl do? So the agreement basically gets China and the U.S. cooperating again in counter-narcotics. And in particular, it gets China's help cracking down on the companies, the pharmaceutical companies, that are shipping those fentanyl ingredients to the world market, then then become fentanyl that goes into the U.S. Uh, This is something the Biden administration is very excited about. It had floated to the top of the list because tens of thousands of Americans are dying from fentanyl overdoses every year. And we learned that in return, what China got out of the deal is... There was a Chinese police forensics institute that was sanctioned in 2020 by the Trump administration for its part in human rights abuses in China's far west. Uh, Those sanctions were lifted. 
It's something that China wanted. The Biden administration identified those sanctions as a barrier to getting Chinese help on fentanyl, and they went through with it. Okay, and then you mentioned an agreement about AI. What was that about? The AI agreement is basically that the two sides are going to launch an experts dialogue on AI. You know, earlier this month, there was a summit on AI in the U.K., China, the U.S., the European Union all agreed to collectively work towards managing the risks that AI poses. So Beijing's on board with this idea of like collaborating on, you know, making a global governance framework for dealing with AI and managing those risks. This just takes that conversation a little bit further. And uh, this wasn't in your list, but I, I see that it's making some waves. Pandas? Pandas, yeah. So three pandas from the National Zoo in D.C. were repatriated to China. There was a lot of hand-wringing about the fact that there were only four pandas left in America and that this was somehow China showing its anger at the United States over the state of of relations. Xi Jinping at a dinner uh, in San Francisco after this meeting with Joe Biden said to the American business community and the others in the audience, I understand people were upset about these pandas leaving. Hey, we're not done cooperating with the U.S. on pandas. We understand the San Diego Zoo wants some pandas. They had their pandas repatriated in 2019. And then Xi Jinping said something like, we'll see what we can do. Like, (laughs) Like there was no promise of new pandas, but he walked right up to that line. And it seems that it's probably a good bet that there will be some more pandas coming to the U.S. at some point in the future. Okay, a panda tease. Right. Um, John, it seems like uh, President Biden really went out of his way to try to charm Xi like on a personal level and just show that he was making a big effort in improving um, U.S.-Chinese relations. I mean, did it, did it appear like that to you, did, that he was, he was really trying to charm him? Yeah, it did. You know, Xi Jinping's in town for this meeting of Asia-Pacific leaders. And rather than just meeting in some hotel conference room, you know, in downtown San Francisco, um, they went 25 miles south of the city to this beautiful historic estate. They had lunch down there. They went for a walk in a garden down there. When Joe Biden was seeing Xi Jinping off and she was about to get into his car, you know, Biden remarked on how beautiful his car was. It happens to be a made-in-China Hongqi, which means red flag. It's like the flagship car of the Chinese leadership. Mao Zedong used to ride in one. And so she had him open the door, and Biden took a look in, and they had this little rapport about, like, oh, you got a cool limo. I got a really great limo, too, over there. It's a Cadillac. It's called the Beast. You know, there was this whole this whole back and forth. It actually got a lot of traction on Chinese social media. They thought that was cute. Uh, But Biden has made a big deal over the years about his personal relationship with Xi Jinping. When they were vice presidents, they met many times. Mm -hmm. Biden likes to say he has spent more time with Xi than any other world leader. And I think it was pretty clear this time around he was trying to kind of rekindle the the bromance, restoke the fire, whatever you want to call it. As I said in the in the introduction, this meeting has already exceeded expectations. Do you think that rekindling of the bromance, as you say, do you think the reset is going to work? Yeah, I asked Nason Mabubi about this. He's director of the Penn Project on the Future of U.S.-China Relations at the University of Pennsylvania. I think in a nutshell, this was about as much as we could have expected. So what he's basically saying is... They wanted to stabilize the relationship. They did about as much as they could in that respect. But the general trend, the overall trajectory of the relationship is not changing. There's deep mistrust between these two leaders, between the two countries, between the two governments. They have different worldviews. They're absolutely in a a vigorous state of competition right now. 
They did about as much as they could. You know, whether or not, like, this reset is going to stick for a while is going to be a challenge. And this coming year is going to be a difficult year. In January, Taiwan has a presidential election. Beijing considers Taiwan a part of China. They want to make sure the United States is not supporting independence there. And then, of course, later in the year is a U.S. presidential election. And so whatever agreements are made here, if there's a new president, if the new president doesn't like these agreements, they're all pretty much up for renegotiation again. So, John, we've been talking about what these agreements mean to us here in the U.S., but you've been traveling around China recently. How do you think this meeting between Biden and Xi is going to be received by the Chinese people? Well, I think it'll be welcomed. I mean, first of all, it's a top trending issue on social media within the Chinese Internet right now. Chinese state media is reporting it with quite a positive spin, right? So, and I think people on the street will genuinely be relatively happy about this. I mean, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty in China now about the future, about the policy directions in which Xi Jinping is taking the country. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a bit more stability in the most consequential bilateral foreign relation that Mm -hmm. China has, one of China's biggest trading partners, the number one economy in the world, like if if there's some more stability there, I think that eases people's minds in China a little bit. Thanks, John. Thank you. That's NPR's John Ruich. That's the State of the World from NPR. A special thanks to our State of the World Plus listeners for supporting our journalists around the world, like NPR China correspondent John Ruich. If you like what you hear and you're able to join them in making our reporting possible, please sign up at plus.npr.org or on our show page in Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again soon. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR.